Welcome to Practice Freedom. What if you could hang out with owners and founders from all sorts of healthcare private practices, having rich conversations about their successes and their failures, and then take an insight or two to inspire your own growth? Each week on Practice Freedom, we take an in-depth look at how to get the most out of both the clinical side and the business side of the practice, get the most out of your people, and most of all, how to live the healthy life that you deserve. I'm Mark Henderson Leary. I'm a business coach and an entrepreneurial operating system implementer. I have a passion that everyone should feel in control of their life. And so what I do is I help you get control of your business. Part of how I do that is by letting you listen in on these conversations in order to make the biggest impact in your practice and ultimately live your best life. Let's get started. This is Practice Freedom with Mark Henderson Leary again, and I'm I'm happy to be back here with another solo episode trying to get into some of the foundational concepts that are behind this because the interviews are awesome. I love the interviews, but sometimes there's some things we talk about. I want to make sure we can adequately explain the foundations, and I want to appreciate that everybody is having some patience with me as I'm learning the solo podcast format. I'm so much more comfortable in the interview format, but I really think it's important that when I say something like EOS, for example, the entrepreneurial operating system, people understand what that means and and how that fits into what we're doing. And this concept that a lot of the content is hanging off of now, which is what I'm calling the three practice perils, which I just invented an hour ago. Um, the, the fundamentals of the practice, the three things, I, the, the practice perils is what I just sort of named it because I think it's the alliteration will help people remember it, is what makes private practice, healthcare practice, and a lot of other businesses that are built around expertise like law firms and CPA firms and organizations that have a lot of very skilled individual contributors who lead initiatives and projects and make the company money, frankly, there's some uniqueness to exactly what that manifests in the the organization in terms of it being a business. And so the three practice perils are, in the language of healthcare, you can apply this to your business, but in the language of healthcare, the first practice peril is delivering the healthcare outcomes the art form, the legacy of why this organization came about from medicine man to healthcare organization, what drives that, the Hippocratic oath, the art form itself, the craft, the miracle that healthcare is. And I know this is getting, you know, this may not feel like it applies to every business, but I don't want to make this really tangible. This first practice peril permeates the ethos of the decisions we make, we make assumptions that like the whole reason we're here is to take care of patients. The whole reason a law firm are, is there to is to take care of the client. But sometimes we don't get to prioritize it. At least, yeah, I, mean, I think that's the reality, right? I think we're trying to do that. We know we need to do that. But if we ask ourselves on any given Sunday, what did we do this week to ensure that the very best outcomes for our patients who we're here to serve were best served by our process, our doctors, our learning, our knowledge, and all of that. And was it consistent? And did we stay focused on that? Did we in any way get distracted on regulations or culture issues or plumbing issues in the building? Did we sacrifice that higher purpose for any of the other things that were day-to-day needs requirements? That's the first thing we need to make sure we take care of. 
And I think the issue with that is like I described, it's, we know it's there, but I think we can all kind of admit that like, ah, did we really take care of it at the level of esteem it should have been taken care of? Mm, I don't know, maybe. The second practice peril is that we are much more so now than ever before having to compete, operate as a capitalistic free market entrepreneurial business, which for a lot of people may feel in contradiction to the first peril. And I don't believe that to be true. I think that there is an old guard of healthcare and professional services of, look, I'm an expert and, you know, I'm just trying to do the minimal overhead to provide what I do. And when you start trying to make me in this practice scale up or get in corporate and, you know, we're going to lose something, we're going to lose the identity and my personalized service is going to go away. You're going to start taking away my power to be the best at my art form. And I think people who hold on to that mindset really suffer. And they say, especially in healthcare, they say things like, you can't make money in this business anymore. We're not appreciated anymore. There's no gratification. There's no way to win. I can't take care of people anymore. This business is dead. I would, I hear this, I would never advise somebody to become a doctor in today's world because you cannot do it well anymore. And I see quite the opposite. And the people I talk to is also are very successful in realizing that if we get clear, because in the past we weren't clear on what we're doing in a more specific, purposeful way. Because I think in the past, you didn't have to be, if you were a doctor of a specific type, you, you were a family practitioner, you were a surgeon, whatever. The essence of purpose and that was sort of implied. But now people are much more aware of who they are and why they're doing what they're doing. And the color, like Joe Galati is a perfect example. He has a liver specialist. His passion is people living, living healthy in any form. He just happens to have his skill set around liver and liver is a great place to do that work. But you can see when you listen to that episode, you, you know, he's very unique and, and he's living a very honest, authentic life. And that is that we have to do that now. And they were talking about culture from that perspective, but taking that one step further, it's like, if we're going to really sharpen the saw, we're going to, what are we going to do? that is highly specialized. And so when we do that, we can start to say, well, what does it look like to make a bigger difference in a bigger way? And all this kind of dropped to the bottom line is that if you're resisting business and corporateness as the antidote or the anti, the opposite of, <laughs> the opposite of good healthcare outcomes, well, I challenge it very simply with this, profit follows value. It's as simple as that. People pay money to solve big, important problems. And people pay more money to solve bigger, more important problems. And that is a fact. And so when we get efficient and we get focused and we get good at what we do and we make profitable outcomes, that's a good thing. And it allows us to do things with the profit, of course. Now, there's obviously intent. I get that you could be very profitable. And this happens. This is really real in, in the healthcare world. People do get comfortable with their lifestyles and they do take that money out and not put it back. And I'm not going to try to address that in this spot. That's another, other, probably another topic. We do need to know that that's real. But from a business perspective, there are businesses, many businesses. And in my world, it's, I'm sure it's biased. In my world, the businesses I work with are run by people who are responsible adults who really give a shit. They really want to make a difference. 
and they're doing it for all the right reasons. And they uh, many times there's guilt associated with the high reward that goes with it, oftentimes not. But that's not really the factor here. When you look at these businesses, what they're doing, you look at these practices, what they're doing, when they're run by people who care and they're serious and they make decisions with the with this purpose in mind, I'm telling you, I'm in it. You're probably in it too. And many people listening to this are probably thinking, yeah, how can I get people to believe that I really do want to create good outcomes? We put that into it. We put it, make a business that is process driven, culturally driven that is led by managers, led by leaders, that is standards oriented, it is efficient, that it does drive great outcomes. We do send clear messages. We do get to talk to our very best patients who need us the most. We get out of the business of trying to serve the wrong people at the wrong time, at the wrong process and the wrong price. It really is advantageous to us, to our staff, to our peers, to our patients, and ultimately to the world that we run as an effective business. And it's very advantageous. We can add more value. We can add retail to our previously clinical only practice. We can sell stuff. We can make products that are cash pay. And it adds so much value to people who want to buy it when we honor it responsibly and pursue the purpose at a higher level. And so you see those perils hopefully coming together. But why that matters is those disciplines are often very different. How do we lead the outcomes, the clinical outcomes, and how do we lead and manage the business side of things? And then this topic, you know, we're on peril number two, and I'm going to hit peril number three in a sec. We're going to repeat this a lot, right? So I'm going to get you to kind of the high level, plant some seeds and give you some things to think about. But we'll unpack each of these in more depth. These will be hit a hundred different ways over the next several months in terms of giving you a sense of how to move the needle on each of these things. There's just a lot to this and how they all fit together. So the third peril is maybe somewhat unique to expert professionals who, you know, they have that craft, that expertise to be an expert surgeon, to be an amazing optometrist or an ophthalmologist or a chiropractor has got that gift. And uh, I talk frequently to people who have graduated with a significant degree, a significant amount of education, then they know they're expert in their field. And they also know that they were not taught anything about business. Now, that's a big act of humility and faith that people who have so much expectation of excellence can admit. Now, the problem with that is that that doesn't necessarily open the door to how to get that gap filled. (laughs) So it leaves a lot of very smart, capable people feeling not very smart, but it leads to the third peril when unchecked. And that is living the life you deserve. It is so common that somebody who is really capable, adding a lot of value, is stuck in a life that is grinding them away, maybe grinding their family, maybe making it hard for them to be good parents, or maybe they are good parents, but they don't feel like it because they're hanging on the back of the wagon, they're late to the games, they're missing the games, not able to be there, missing the recitals. You know, the vacations are really expensive and uh, working all the way through it. You know, how does that work? You know, if you make the vacation that much more exotic, but I'm not able to really be present for the full four days, week, whatever, is that working? So it's very common that this live the life you deserve, live your best life, give your greatest gift with abundance and maximum impact. That's hard. It's very hard to do. And there's some reasons for that. And so it's simple at the high level. We talked about those clinical outcomes and we talked about the management outcomes. Who does that? Who leads that? Who manages that? Who's the expert at that? And those are different outcomes. We've also got this contribution. So we very individual contribution, like the surgery, like cracking backs, whatever that is. You can't 
should be obvious by now. You should not, you can't lead and manage your organization if you're cracking it back, if you have somebody under the knife. You can't do it. And so when do you do it? Well, later, later in the day, earlier in the morning, on the weekends, on vacation. You cannot turn the crank fast enough to solve that problem. And if anybody's on this, listening to this thinking, yeah, that's right. But when I get this figured out, well, well, what happens if something works? What happens if you are good at leading the organization to be purpose-driven, to be successful and build a great reputation and people are lining up at the door? People are coming to you because of your reputation. How are you going to solve that problem? Are you going to just turn the crank faster, work a couple more hours? Well, that's, that's not how it works. It does not work that way at all. You have to enroll others in your vision. You have to empower people and bring people into the organization who can lead it, run it, and you have to delegate. And that's not easy. And so I just want to bring comfort to anybody who's struggling with these is that, first of all, these are real. They're super real, meaning the pain from all of them is really worth talking about. If you're thinking you're close, if you're thinking like, well, if I just make one more hire, we're good. You're probably not anywhere near close. Give yourself a break and say, you know what? It's really that bad. We need to solve for that. The second piece of that, of course, is uh, it's solvable. We can solve this. We can get you there. It's worth solving. And of course, they're interdependent. So understanding that if you're going to be an individual contributor in your organization, there's a price for that. And if you want to be the surgeon, fine. Who's going to run the clinical side of the business? Maybe you can have half of that role or part of that role. Who's going to run the, man the management side of the operations of the business? Is that you? Mm. If you get one, one and a half, two, two of these roles, you're going to be successful. So in that third bucket, the living the life you deserve, there are choices that you're going to have to make. And that is to figure out where is your superpower. And I talk to optometrists, I talk to chiropractors, and this is not as hard a decision for some of them. And, and maybe, maybe this is really hard for you. But some are like, you know, I, there's only so many backs I need to crack. There's only so many glasses I need to fit. In other organizations like surgery, it's like, well, I'm kind of known for this. You know, I kind of my reputation and the work I do is feels like art. And I, I don't know if I can back away from that. And that's fine. It, you, but you got to decide where are where is your skill set? Where's your superpower? And if that's your superpower to be that expert contributor, that artist, that, that just means formulaically and mathematically you cannot overcome this. This is not me telling you you should do something. I'm just telling you, you cannot do it any other way. It is not possible within the laws of physics that you run a great organization being in too many seats. It's not possible to scale the organization and reach maximum impact, assuming you want to scale the organization to make a bigger impact than just, you know, one smaller office that's sort of capitated at, where, at the number of patients you're going to hit. And I'm not judging that either. If you think it's fine to keep it at that size and you like the blending, you know, you, that's great. There's nothing wrong with that. If, however, like most of the folks that come to me, there's a belief there's a bigger impact that can be made here. We can affect more lives in a positive way and we can help everybody along the way by doing great work, then we have to say, I can't do it alone. And I'm going to need some experts to handle some of the things that previously I thought I was the only one who could handle. And so that's the overview, you know, really understanding that the underpinning of this is the output of the care, the art form, the craft. We need to care for it. People need to be in charge of doing that. There needs to be leadership. There needs to be direction to make sure we're clear on not only is it happening, that we're really putting attention on it, but what is it supposed to look like? What does great care look like and what drives it? Parallel to that, this is a business and a business is a good thing. It is a machine built to produce specific outcomes efficiently, effectively, reliably, safely. 
That's a good thing. And those two combined well. And then that third thing is this is there is an individual here who starts this. Now, partnerships notwithstanding, that, that I want this this does apply to that. But so more often than not, I'm looking at somebody who's like feels like the one person who's trying to glue the whole thing together, hold it all together, and I'm ready to burst into flames. Like I can't handle any more between frustration at home, staffing issues at the office, not being able to keep up, just being exhausted and feeling like we're still, we have to go somewhere bigger, better than we're at right now. How in the world are we going to get there? That just means you're normal and uh, we can solve for that. So I just wanted to kind of put that out there and put the foundation behind that. I want your feedback on that. So reach out to me, give me your experiences I want to know how much of a pain this is for you. I want to know what you've tried that's worked and it hasn't. I want to be able to speak more and more tangibly and specifically to how this manifests to all the different iterations and all the different practices that, you know, some that are pure healthcare where there's nothing even imaginably retail, entirely research oriented, perhaps even all the way to lots and lots of cash pay retail that is integrated into it. It's all part of the same same mix that manifests in very different ways. So I'm excited. I keep, we got some guests coming up that are going to be really good on these topics. We got Mark Sonic coming up. He's, he's a chiropractor. He's got some experience around this whole thing with many, many practices doing this, this exact same, working through these exact same perils and how we scale that up. We've got other folks along those lines. I'm really excited to, to unpack and share with you guys. And I'm just really privileged to be talking about this. I'm excited about how much this is resonating so far. And like I said, I appreciate you guys being patient with me, getting the new format rolled out because I'm still feeling awkward with it, but this is making a big difference and we'll kind of go, go from here. So we'll see you next time and looking for more feedback and we'll keep this rolling. We'll see you next time on Practice Freedom with me, Mark Henderson here.